So hey, thanks for coming on to the channel, Gregory Carpin, right? Is that right? Yeah, that right. Gregory Carpin okay. or Greg. You can just say Greg. Everybody does. Great. Yeah. Let's. I'll, I'll keep it a little shorter, <laughs> just so I don't get uh, too tongue tied. But um, I did a quick intro. But if you want to just introduce yourself, like, what are some of the big uh, interests um, that you kind of focus on with your SCPs? So at first. Um, it was very like historic kind of gothic horror. Um, mm -hmm. If you read some of my earlier articles, you can definitely tell that I studied archaeology in my uh, undergrad. Mm -hmm. I'm like a big fan of the ancient world and kind of mysteries involved with that. Um, and I, the longer I've written, the more I focused on like character development um, and examination of psychological issues. Um, and, and also... More recently, in the last couple of months, writing SCPs that are very focused on like social commentary, and and I mean, mm. just 2020 was rough for everybody, and yeah. you know, it was like a good way to like exercise some of those demons. Watching people march on Washington and being disgusted, yeah. and you know, God, well, I just want to talk about some of this stuff, and it's like, oh well, you know. So, I think you said you read five eight eight nine. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. the radio one. That was the first one where I thought, because before that I had left, you know, other than being informed by my politics, my writing never directly addressed progressive stuff. And mm. then with that one, I just decided, oh, screw it. I'm just going to write whatever the heck I want. You know, I'm going to have a radio host yelling at some yokel about yeah. how their conspiracy <laughs> theories are ridiculous. So. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely like that's what my mind went to. I immediately thought of like the fear mongering, like, oh, yeah, you know, conservative media and all that stuff. I mean, that one um, is specific, you know, it's a radio, which has always traditionally been kind of a spreading before podcasts and YouTube was where like, you know, right wing thinking was being blasted out, yeah. whether it's like preachers or whether it's like weird hate mongering. Um, and, you know, if you look at that one, that one's amnestic, which I wrote with Dizadron um it's each one of the little breakouts and they're really short like little vignettes of, of radio programs like a talk show and a sex therapist and etc <laughs> <laughs> um and they're all like recorded at a specific spot and if you look and if were you to google those places they're very conservative places mm. oh yeah i remember like for example the map with the radio one it was all like midwest yeah. metal strip yeah, with the a little with little dots here and there on the east and west mm -hmm. that are like very conservative places. So people have been like, "Well, did you have that in mind?" Yeah, yeah, it wasn't an accident. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's kind of my thing: uh, horror, gothic horror, and then no matter what, when I write about somebody experiencing something, whether it's about you know a tentacled horror or mm. a magical spooky radio show. I'm always kind of trying to think about how somebody actually would react or feel mm. or how would that develop in terms of trauma or, you know, uh, experiences. Um, I, I, I find if you're not writing about somebody that is like relatively real, whether it's yourself, which comes out a lot or people that, you know, then it just comes off as shallow and I'm not interested in being Michael Bay. So. <laughs> yeah that's a fair point i mean um, i'm not saying transformers wasn't fun it kind of was but <laughs> i didn't feel anything about it so yeah 12 year old me was a huge fan sure. uh, i can't say the same anymore like, though i mean yeah it, wow look optimus prime is a big old robot that's it that's the end of the commentary that's <laughs> um 
So actually, I, I kind of noticed that. So I, full disclaimer, I only read the first three of your series that's, okay, I'm gonna push this. Hecaton Kairos? Uh, yeah, pretty close. It's almost phonetic, which is rare okay. for Greek. Uh, and I have regretted naming it that since the moment I chose. <laughs> um, I do know how to spell it without spell check now, though, which is cool. very impressive. Yeah. Uh, it's Hakan Hakan Cherries. Hecaton Cherries. Um, okay. And it's the hundred handed. It's, it's mm-hmm. uh, in Greek myth, uh, which is funny because there's no Greek myth attached to this series. But it's thematically yeah. relevant. Um, in Greek myth, uh, originally when Zeus was fighting, you know, to become king of the gods and everything, he and the other gods were fighting the Titans. If anyone ever played God of War, that's what it's about, right? Yeah. Uh, well, not the newest one, but whatever. Um, and some of the Titans uh, actually joined up with the gods. Uh, some of them being the the many-handed or the hundred-handed, uh, which are horrific monsters. They're yeah, fantastic. Yeah. They're, they're one of my favorite ones. Yeah, they're great. Uh, they they literally have a hundred hands and like a hundred heads, and they're just fucking. They're just nightmare fuel. Um, and I just thought it was thematically relevant to the, for the story I was telling. So yeah, there we go. Yeah, uh, but I, just like so, I read the first three in the series. Um, and even in those first three, I could see kind of your slow moving more towards like the psychological character based storylines. Um, so I guess as a quick uh, synopsis, the first one, 4612. Um, now, I really like that one because I'm a huge Bloodborne fan. Uh, so it kind of really fed into like a lot of the things I personally love. Um, but that one basically takes place or investigates this like um, occult sacrifice or offering that happened in a 17th, uh, 18th century like manner um so some like rich um he's like a, a mining like a metal yeah he's um, like an industrialist tycoon yeah yeah but he basically um and feel free to correct me i'm i'm not as uh uh but he basically uh finds in these letters they find these letters where he's talking about trying to like kind of make humanity ascend and to kind of gain political power for their great empire uh well he was english right right which i chose very specifically (laughs) yeah because you know i mean Uh, towards the end of the 1700s the english were you know i mean first of all that's the reason i chose it was because that's where the industrial revolution we most historians agree i mean it's kind of debatable but it kind of started especially in the northern parts of england uh, and so that's why, but then also it's like, that's like the ascendancy of the English empires right around that mm-hmm. time. So it was appropriate. Yeah. I mean, it ended up becoming literally the sunset, the empire that like the sun never sets on. Um, so I thought that was pretty fitting. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he, they basically try to, uh, I'm just, I'm trying to string it. You know, how about you take over? But basically what I'm trying to say is that like, basically they find this um, alien like thing after it. So this is how I interpret it actually, I'll just point it out. So basically there's a talk of this meteor that crashes on his estate and people never find him again. So there's like a lot of these rumors. And then in the letters, it's, or uh, sorry, when the uh, psychic um, agent kind of like recreates that what went down, basically how I interpret it is the meteor contained that alien creature no the second one right right so yeah, yeah so, sorry yeah so yeah so basically it's about eckhart and it, the manor is called eckhart house which is his family's traditional home mm-hmm. um 
and they didn't find the alien inside it. They called the alien. Um, essentially, oh, so, okay. So some of it. there's an older skip. I think it is three, four, six, seven, but I might not be right. It's called the Rite of Solomon, and it's this fantastic yeah. thing about how it's a it's this horrible like magical ritual that if you get all the right pieces to, you can summon God, kill him, and become God. Like hmm. essentially, that's like the most vanilla reading of it possible but that's basically what it is and i always loved that and so i thought well what if somebody got their hands on it but like had didn't really know what he was doing i mean like he's an occultist mm. but he's just a rich yeah. asshole basically um <laughs> and he's got all these other rich assholes around him and they're the yorkshire you know thaumaturgical society and they are going to call down this thing that they think is holding humanity back hmm. um and they're not wrong, actually, because there is something there. Uh, and it is this thing that's been around for a long time, at least according to the historical records the Foundation has found, they can kind of make these connections that there was this thing that would show up. And maybe it had something to do with the Deva going away. And maybe mm. it had something to do with the Black Plagues and et cetera, et cetera. And um, I think Eckhart, I mean, his his motivations are bad he just wants more power for well white people let's not kid ourselves he's an english guy in the end of the 1700s yeah. but white man's burden yeah he's not a stuff. good person but mm -hmm. he thinks you know humanity needs to rise up and and be which sounds like you know something like ayn rand would like or something uh <laughs> you know and, and like you can get kind of sucked mm -hmm. in and seduced by this idea of ah yeah humanity you know tony stark right you know that's it's, yeah you know it's technology uh um and there's this thing, uh, this, you know, let's, for lack of a better word, alien slug god <laughs> um, who has been holding humanity back. And, you know, in sort of accidentally, uh, these these magicians kill it. Um, the meteor is its son. So it gets really pretty strange because this thing has been around for a long time. And mm -hmm. at some point, though, you have to read between the lines. Uh, it decided it needed to have like a human agent or somebody that would be, oh, um, okay. you know, a sun-like figure or a, you know, some sort of avatar. It is, he's a separate person, but uh, he is essentially sort of this middle ground between this, you know, eldritch horror type thing and, yeah. and a human being. Um, and he basically, you know, it's basically the, the, the foundation finds it and uh, doesn't know what to think about it. Uh, it's incredibly dense, the body of this thing. Uh, mm. It's been there for 300 years and yet isn't putrefying. Um, it's just in the basement of this famous house that no one knew about because the door to the basement was essentially invisible yeah. because of magic or whatever. Um, and, you know, it sounds much more fancy in the article, but it's magic it does, or yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, and then... Um, while trying to figure it out, they have a psychic, uh, somebody, and there's this, this is a real thing. Well, okay, wait, it's not a real thing, but it's a thing that people believe is real, which is psychometry, I think is the way to say it. Hmm. Uh, and it's basically, you know, you could touch this quarter and know who had touched it in the last, hmm. I don't know, 36 hours or something. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but, um, and I had, you know, I was just kind of reading about like what people thought about psychics. And I went, oh, that's. I mean, that's kind of cool. I don't want to like, yeah. communicate the dead, but like, what if somebody could touch something and tell its history? Well, that's, that's actually a great storytelling device. 
um, which I thought I would use in multiple, multiple articles. And though she's still around in some of my articles, yeah. I don't do it because I feel like, well, I did that already. Um, uh, yeah. And so she tries to get a reading on the body. Um, doesn't nothing really happens. And then she decides to kind of, uh, well, what the hell? Let me try something else. And, you know, this this thing was ritually sacrificed. And so it's got it's still got this slit in its you know belly. Uh, and she puts her hand in the wound. Uh, and then not only does she see what happens, it's like a tele, you know, it's like a projection. And so even the director hmm. who's there can see it. And that's how we as readers get to see it. And so instead of yeah. it being, you know, an endless series of journals, which I, you know, even on my first article, I was like, I'm not doing that uh, <laughs> because it's just sort of a trope. It happens all the time on, in articles. Yeah. Um, I, you know, wanted to go kind of, what if there was just a camera there and we saw what the psychic saw? And so... Yeah, that's, you know, and I, I don't want to give too much away about it, but it, basically it's this, you know, it's the massacre. You know, they come down there. When the foundation goes down there, they see this dead alien thing and like dozens of human bodies and go, what, what the fuck? What happened here? Uh, mm-hmm. So it's like CSI, but like magic cult version. <laughs> so read it if you want to find out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, the ending is it, the reality is, is all the conflicts happen 300 years before the foundation finds it. But it becomes yeah. very real because they're feeling it. And by the end, it becomes uh, pretty concrete that this human slug hybrid thing who looks like a human, but uh, has a real I've, I've been Sherm, who I know you've had on here. Yeah. Uh, told me he thought he got real like Dr. Manhattan vibes from him, which I was like, oh, thank you. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very touching. Um He's, he wears more clothes than Dr. Manhattan, but yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh, he he's still around because he kind of pays a visit by the end. Uh, and, you know, my thought process was I could do a series about these things. Um, and I have, but I haven't. It's been kind of this, you know, where can we touch on these different concepts in different ways? But yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so I haven't finished the series, um, but from the ones i've read that like i guess i'll just call him the dr manhattan like uh slug guy um so you, uh, it's we can call him you read 5512 the one about the cult right yeah so uh, i usually call him marquez because that's his like pseudonym in that yeah, in that Diego. book yeah so mm-hmm. i usually call him by his last name just cuz it's easier than calling him his designation <laughs> every other <Yeah. laughs> he's scp4612-beat yeah. now fuck that yeah um <laughs> I kind of viewed him more as a, um, like, there's more to, so obviously there's more to him because I, I haven't finished it, but I kind of read it almost as, like, he's more of a morally neutral character. Um, like, he seems much more like a force of nature and less of, like, an evil god. Um, but at the same time, so with the passages, he kind of was talking about, like, how he was left all alone by the... Um, by these, uh, by these, they're not gods. I'm putting the name. It's a prime. He calls them the prime movers. Uh, prime movers. Yeah, uh, yeah, but there are other things like the dead slug god, essentially. Yeah. Oh, so they're actually not uh, the same like race. No, the... they are. Uh, oh, okay, they are. They are. Um, but yeah, he he. He calls them prime movers because, you know, in those passages in 5512, 
so just a quick rundown 5512 is about a uiu which is the uh fbi's version of the foundation essentially Mm -hmm. um doing a sting because they find out about this cult uh that's starting to gain steam in boston in the 90s oh all my shit's like set way like 40 Mm -hmm. years ago and i have no idea why but it is well mostly because i don't want people to have cell phones and super computers yeah it's an easy uh way (laughs) to avoid that um Anyway, it's Boston, and it's like 1991, I think, or 92, and the UIU finds out about this cult, uh, which seems to be kind of small, but also seems to know stuff they just shouldn't know. Like, they're not, they seem to be in on the weird anomalous stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so they start doing a sting, not sure what exactly is going on, but given, if you lived in this world, in the Foundation's world, and you knew anything about anything you know that like cults that actually know stuff well it can get in a lot of trouble like there's a lot of stories about that and how dangerous they can be so it starts off as a sting uh they put in like uh you know an undercover agent somebody they've like blackmailed to go in there and um things go very very badly and the foundation uh kind of picks up the pieces uh because uh i forget his name but the the u.s attorney or the general attorney general attorney general this is the director uh calls in says hey look the fbi screwed up and come come bail us out and um in so in that thing while they clean up that that situation they also find some of the cults like not bible but their ideological tracks so that's the passages we were just talking about uh and I, you know, in, in some ways I use that to kind of help expand, do a little, cause the thing I hate doing is like exposition dumps, but mm-hmm. like also like you want to do a little world building, like who are these slug things and who is this yeah. guy? And so I tried to use, I read a lot about cults in for like three weeks, which is oh, cool. really, di- they're very disturbing. A lot of weird yeah, shit yeah. happens. Um, so his speech that's being heard by the undercover FBI agent in there uh, where he's talking to his flock is like really modeled after recordings of the dude oh, I could tell. Jonestown. Yeah. And, and I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't copy what anyone said, but like I had the transcript for like, what's his name that ran Jonestown? Uh, his last recorded, uh, it might even be something Jones. Anyway, yeah, um, was. And, and other and like you know uh, david crash in waco and stuff like that and i mm. had like transcripts of their speeches to their followers and like really tried to model his speech afterward that and like people that have had experiences with like uh like kind of cult-like stuff in the past have told me that that story has like triggered them before and i'm like well i'm <laughs> sorry but also <laughs> thank you i guess that means thank it's you, really yeah. accurate but yeah, I got like huge Heaven Gates vibes from that because I listened to a whole podcast series kind of looking at the beginning and end of yeah. Heaven's Gate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely can say, like I've heard the recordings of Heaven Gates, uh, like the two leaders and everything. And I'm like, yep, this is like spot on. Yeah. So 5512 is definitely uh, very inspired by like cult stuff. And I just use that as like, because I mean, hey, creepy cult, that's fun. And it's also a mm-hmm. trope that's, on the site there's a lot of yeah but it typically just centers around oh there's a cult and they're trying to call some evil god and instead mm-hmm. i was like well what if we there's a cult but i just use that as like talking about cults and how fucked up they are yeah, yeah. uh and so yes i do a little world building and there is some more uh you get a little bit more of a window into the series meaning who is 
Marquez, you know, is he the same guy that's been around for 300 years? Because in that one, I don't say yes or no. It's very much implied, mm. but yeah, people afterwards were like, is he or is he? Is that connected? And I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, yes, yeah, I wasn't sure either. Yeah. Obviously. Um, but yeah, the psychological always is like super important to me in terms of the storytelling. Like what, you know, if you, you know, even for him, because he's like you said, he, he talks about in the passages about being alone, um, mm-hmm. you know, and he is this thing, you know, he's he's human, quote unquote, you know, yeah. he's got a human mentality. Um, he was probably born human. I don't know. I haven't really wrote his origin because I don't care. Who cares? Oh, okay. Who cares? He doesn't have a Uncle Ben moment. Um, <laughs> but you know, he he was a human at some point, whether he was a baby or not. When when he got you know changed, but he's been around a long time, and you know, I think he thinks he's doing good stuff. Uh, you know, so I don't yeah. think he's like amoral. I think his morality is very different than ours because yeah, he, that's what I was trying to say. You know, he is really trying to protect his flock and and do what's mm-hmm. best for them, but it's not what maybe you or I would think is what's best for them because he's doing like medical experiments on them and trying mm-hmm. to make them into better things, which has done, you know, which, you know, spoilers does eventually work out for these people. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it didn't for the first three, because when the foundation finally gets in there, you know, there are three observation cells uh, that just have like mm-hmm. fucking mutated corpses, you know, yeah. and weird stuff done to their lymphatic systems with alien tissues like injected and mm-hmm. surgically implanted and whatnot. So, you know, uh, he, you know, so from his perspective, he's trying to elevate the human race, his father or whatever you want to call that dead slug thing um, was very concerned with humanity, too. Only it was like an angry parent. Uh, who was always mm-hmm. telling, you know, stands at your door and tells, why is not your room clean? Right? Uh, <laughs> okay. yeah. We all had those conversations with our dad or mom. Um, and, you know, our parents meant the right, you know, meant the best when they were concerned about teaching us to clean up our rooms or, you know, take a shower or, or whatever. But the way that they approach it isn't always, you know, the best way for children. Yeah. And I took that same mentality. Um, and, and you know, is he actually in the morally right? No, uh, but yeah. but he d- does actually think so. I mean, the best villains think they're the heroes in the piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I yeah. mean, I don't give a shit about Thanos, but Magneto's always been pretty fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I mean, so that's that's what I was trying to say earlier. Is I feel like you could actually really kind of hear him out and like kind of see like. This guy himself, I don't think he, like, if I was in his position, I don't know if I would be that differently than, like, how he's kind of going about things. I mean, he's been, I mean, we know for sure he's been around and alone for the last 300 years or so. Um, And it's implied that he's been around for a lot longer than that. Um, And for a long time, he had this, you know, mentor figure, as he mentions in the passages, which is his (laughs) dead, you know, eldritch horror godfather. Um... You know, and how do you, if you, if your experiences are that alien, but you just want to create a community, how do you do that from scratch while also, you know, trying to live up to what your father instilled in you, which is very strange ideas about, you know, and it's, you think that guy sat down with the, with the slug and had tea? I mean, like their conversations probably <laughs> were pretty weird and alien. Um, yeah. So, you know, I always am trying to think about like, you know the, the thing that we talk about 
like if you read like vampire novels or like the old Highlander movies or whatever, these things have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. Um, are they really still human? Like, are they really going to think the same thing? Of course, they're going to have, you know, they still have the brain that we have, right? Yeah. Um, even if there are supernatural undead, uh, they're probably going to have something close to human personality. But like, I bet you it's going to have some pretty negative consequences living for a very mm-hmm. long time and watching. You know, I'm only forty, and like when you lose your parents or your cousin or whoever. That's already devastating enough. To imagine living through mm. like twenty lifetimes. No, yeah. that, that would suck. Um, I immediately think of the film uh, Diary of a Vampire with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that movie doesn't really hold up that much, but like, <laughs> like it's very nineties Pretty Boy. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it uh, but yeah, that one kind of is. I always kind of was like, oh yeah, that would be kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. Like also, I don't want to drink blood. That sounds terrible. But <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, but also like you know, hey, you want to live forever? Hey, yeah. Well, okay, but there's a couple of caveats. <laughs> yeah. So like I, I, we kind of talking about it earlier, but um, to me, there's like bloodborne all over this this series, um, especially like the medical experiments and the whole like theme of trying to ascend humanity and even the uh the theme of like the old gods that have kind of always been involved in human history because for people who aren't familiar with bloodborne kind of the premise uh is basically that there are these old uh gods and basically a bunch of these like victorian-esque like scholars find or archaeologists find the uh these tombs the marian tombs and they start like using the old god's blood to treat like miracle cures and things like that so there's a lot of threads between like that's my favorite part yeah, of that it, lore is that they find like the bodies of like ancient you know what is equivalent to deities right because they're like biological yeah. entities that have crazy supernatural powers that no one could understand and they're not gods the way that like jesus or zeus was but like yeah. you know kind of yeah they're gods and i just love that the idea that somebody was just like you know I, I, don't, I think it was Lawrence probably was the one because he started the healing church, right? Yeah, yeah Lawrence the first, yeah. yeah. And he decided to like take a syringe and drain some blood <laughs> and then be like, hey, let's shoot this up, guys. Uh, it's really fucked up. But yeah, Bloodborne is a huge inspiration for me. Um, I always read, so I read a lot, you know, cat, you know, spoiler warning, I read a lot of Lovecraft when I was a kid, uh, like a lot of us did, and a lot of. I think people on the wiki have probably because strange fiction, yeah. weird fiction is got a real certain genesequa that, you know, really has always been, Hey, what is this thing? Well, it's not a vampire. It's not a werewolf. That's boring. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, an alien, it's a dead alien, but is it dead, you know, and whatever. <laughs> um, but as I grew older and I started to learn more about Lovecraft and what kind of person he was and, mm-hmm. Google it at home, kids, but his his name for his cat isn't exactly pleasant. Yeah. Um, he was a very, very racist man. Um, mm-hmm. Very racist. Very anti-Semitic, which as a Jew, I'm not a big fan of, obviously. Yeah. Um, and it was hard to... I don't know. Like, it's hard to... He's such an incredible influence on my life and my writing. But then at the same time, like, you know, trying to, like, understand who that person was and why he thought you know, unnatural horrors in the dark were scary was probably because he didn't like people with different skin colors, which is really, mm. really horrible and sad. Um, and I like 
that Bloodborne, in a lot of ways, kind of tries to, like... It doesn't expressly do that. Like, I wouldn't say it's a political game, but there are some, like, Hmm. political, like... There's some very specific through lines in that game that are about, like, classism and, like, religious oppression and um and xenophobia i mean like yeah so no matter who what character class or what not that those matter in FromSoft games anyway but uh <laughs> i mean like, you can be a knight and you're still the guy you could be anybody it doesn't matter um in bloodborne i think everyone is canonically a foreigner you're come you've come to yarnum mm-hmm. because you have some sort of disease it's it's never said and people are being treated in yarnum by what they call blood ministration no one knows what that means is that like one hundredth part of every bit of blood is like from an alien god yeah (laughs) but um it's supposed to be a miracle cure and your character as the foreigner comes and everyone that you run into there well there are a few nice characters but mostly everyone's initial response is oh get out of here you you, you foreigner you stinky foreigner yeah uh, and I, I kind of like that Bloodborne in a lot of ways tries to address a lot of the weird problems with Eldritch Horror um, mm. to kind of discuss. And and that's definitely where 4612 came from was this discussion of how do, you know, I still care a lot about Eldritch Horror. I still like it a yeah. lot. Um, I, I still find things like, you know, like The Void, which is a dope movie, or The Endless, which is another one. Mm. Um very very compelling this idea of like nameless entities that are very interested in humanity but that like aren't you know old white men with beard but some yeah. other kind of god gods that we well, i don't know what that means like it's they're not interested mm-hmm. in worship they're gods because they're just more powerful than us yeah um and so kind of how can i still tell a story about that sort of thing but also talk about stuff that matters like you know the consequences of industrialization or you know what is morality and what is um what is actually caring about other people you know uh actually mean like you know um and so that whole series i mean it goes places uh but it it is very much to do with that you know it starts from a very gothic horror perspective but very quickly i decided to take it out of that era um and that's why I made it about like the FBI investigating a cult, you know, in the nineties, mm. all of a sudden, uh, because it was like, okay, it's not just about old, you know, British magicians. It's, you know, yeah. there are new age cults too that do this. And, you know, and also I wanted something for myself. You know, I, I think a lot of people come to the wiki and I, I deal a lot with critique. So I know a lot of new writers, um, they come to the wiki and there they, there's so much lore and there's so many different you know groups of interest and interesting weird history to the to the foundation and they just think well i'm just going to add to this and there's nothing wrong with that and i mm-hmm. think that's great because i've read tremendous amounts of stuff on the wiki that i love that isn't necessarily that original that is taking somebody else's idea and growing it and there's that's great but the first thing i wanted to do was kind of carve out my own like corner of the yeah. wiki uh and so it's not like a canon in the traditional sense on the wiki but it is very much like a corner like you know i made my own site and i did my own yeah. uh weird thing with you know it's kind of hard to describe when people are like well what's that series about well it's psychological historical gothic horror sort of 
yeah. Bloodborne is important, and so is Freud, and so is I don't know a lot of shit. There's a lot of influences on the on the series. Well, yeah, I mean, it's is it still ongoing? Yeah, or is it pretty much. Yeah, okay. I, um, yeah. it's still. Let's see. I the most recent. So there's uh, the most recent one. I I just uploaded on the 13th. So mm. uh, it is. Wow. I think. How many do I have now? I um. There are a good amount. Yeah, there are. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it's one, two, three, seven. So yeah, there's 15 articles. Uh, and I'm sorry. Um, I promise it's worth it. Uh, but uh, yeah, so um, the first four are, are SCPs in, in the more traditional sense. And then I kind of started trying to do tales more just because... Hmm. You know, the SCP, yeah, I, I really that. like the challenge of the limitation of the format of SCPs. You know, it's really fun thinking about, okay, this has to be from the Foundation's perspective. How would they have heard about it? And how are they going to examine the problem and not solve it? Because that's that's never really about what the SCPs yeah. are about. It's more just about cataloging it. But if you think about it from a perspective of, like, what is this file going to contain? That's a really interesting, like creative limitation i really enjoy it but also you know you don't get internal monologues and yeah. you know you you're not just gonna have like a half page of dialogue between two people you can do it in an interview but if it's just two people talking about their feelings i mean you can push that that format and i have but mm-hmm. you know sometimes you just gotta like do some prose and so i have some yeah. fans of the series that have just read the scps because it's cool and it's just a bunch of weird horror type uh like or horror adjacent let's face it it's not really scary um yeah stuff um and then you know if they want if you read the tales the tales do kind of connect the dots um in a lot mm-hmm. of ways because okay. it follows like like the psychic is in the first two of the ones yeah. you read mm-hmm. um and something pretty bad happens to her in the second one uh and not in like a she's dead or raped or something but like in a she has like an experience uh and the thing that always bums me out about reading a lot of these SCPs is I don't know and I don't care who these people are in the MTF that are dying mm-hmm. or you know experiencing something horrible because they died or they're nameless they're alpha bravo 2 or something mm-hmm. and I kind of started pretty early on like the first one doesn't even have an exploration log. Uh, it just has two people chatting and it turns into a psychic broadcast. Um, and the second one does have an exploration log, but, you know, pretty quickly tried to just, you know, I'm not going to worry about giving people weird designations. And if somebody isn't a captain in the MTF, well, they're going to come back later because I imagine the foundation doesn't have like endless military yeah, trained mm-hmm. you know magic yeah. uh, people that are aware of magic that know how to use a rifle and all are also good at strategy like i imagine that person's pretty useful <laughs> yeah um not to say people don't get hurt or died in my stories they do but um you know and so i kind of always want to talk about you know what would that be like uh and so if somebody goes through something and doesn't die probably at some point i'm gonna write a tale that even at least addresses it uh because mm. i'm just interested like even i even wrote a tale about the you know the immortal cult guy uh way back in like the greek era um because mm. i was like i haven't really told anything from his perspective it's always been 
some outsider looking in because he's an alien intelligence. So, yeah. you know, but why not tell a story about when he was younger? And, and uh, it's not an origin story, but, you know, it's it's fun to examine the psychological side of, of the SCP stuff. Yeah, I, I personally love like tales that kind of go on the other side of the perspective. Yeah, uh, it's, it's so it's I, I always found it really interesting to be like, you know, when a tale is not. I'm not here to like dump a bunch of lore. I'm here to just say, OK, what would this actually feel like? Um, mm-hmm. So like my co-writer on so, one of the other things I've been doing lately is this project called uh, Vicander Need Technical Media. Um, and it is, you know, it was my excuse. There's other cursed media on the site, but I wanted to do kind of yeah. my own uh, feel for it. Because, you know, who doesn't love Candle Cove or something like that? Uh, I do. That's fun. And cursed media is interesting. But I wanted to tell some more socially responsible, not socially responsible, but like progressive or, or social commentary stuff but mixed in with like being unsettling and that's where the radio show won which is 5889 I think yes um yeah you know and my co-writer is writing a tale about it which is not the secret history of the radio broadcast it is about a housewife in the 50s who overhears a broadcast mm. um and that's the kind of tale that I'm you know interested in like I'm interested in reading you know if these horrors are in the real world yes the foundation tries to like you know hide them and put them in boxes but like the whole point of it is you know before they find it it's it's out there or there are lots of these things that are containable in the sense of like we can we can we can cover it up uh, but it doesn't mean you can actually yeah. put it in a box and it's much more interesting to read about like oh well what would this be like you know whether mm-hmm. that's from an MTF or whether that's a researcher or even better, give me a civilian, give me somebody who yeah. is, you know, just like me or just like my mom or just like, you know, my neighbor uh, who runs into 106 or something, uh, you know, and it's just like not just a horrible torture porn, Ed Grimdark <laughs> bullshit, because I don't care about that. Uh, I care yeah. about, you know, horror is cool because I think horror like comedy is oftentimes trying to push the boundaries of, you know, social Mm -hmm. norms. Um, Sometimes in ways that are like a little uncomfortable. Uh, And I, you know, even that radio one, a lot of people have told me they find it pretty unsettling in parts. And that's okay, because I think that horror's purpose is to sort of point out the things in society that are just, you know, kind of screwed up. Or, you know, like if you look at those old Jason movies, right, Friday the 13th, um, they are just schlock and they are just people getting stabbed in campgrounds. But also there's like a lot of really interesting commentary about like, Mm. you know, kind of uh, social norms about like premarital sex in the 70s, you know, and people are like, oh, it's just an excuse to show nudity. And it was. I mean, let's not kid ourselves <laughs> but, but i also think that they you know horror always attracts like those people that feel like they are the rebellious the the you know the socially marginalized i'm a mm-hmm. huge clive barker fan um mm, yeah and if you know first of all everyone should go see hellraiser that movie holds yes. up 
It's like 40 years old or something. And it is still just as weird as I can imagine the people in 1986 or whenever that came out in the theater going, what the yeah, I, <laughs> that's great. Because when I watched uh, on like yeah, a DVD or whatever, I was like, you know, in my twenties, and I and I was like, "What the mm-hmm. fuck is?" <laughs> yeah, and it's like pre CGI, and it's dealing with you know some really fascinating stuff because it's you know what is hell? Well, mm-hmm. are there demons? Sure, sure, there are demons. But like, what if they're demons because they just don't know the difference between pain and, and pleasure anymore? And then it's yeah, oh. It's, this is, this is weird. It's almost sexy, but but oh, but in a terrible <laughs> way. It makes me feel really uncomfortable. And you know, when you find out that you know the man is from is you know he's in I don't know I think he's in his sixties now, and he's you know very out and, and gay. And but growing up in England, you know, in the seventies or whatever, uh, being gay probably was pretty horrible. Uh, yeah. And how did that affect him in terms of like how he looks at the world and how the world looks at him? Uh, and I, that's what horror is about, you know. It's mm-hmm. it's talking about us and our insecurities and society. I guess <laughs> that sounds really pretentious. But... No, I don't think it does. I mean, like for me, what personally really drew me into a lot of horror was and sci-fi. It was just, um, I like kind of with Star Trek too. Although that's not really horror related, but I'll just use an example. I'm actually I have a weird relationship where a lot of Star Trek stuff. I have a hard time watching it now because I very much do not like episodic stuff, but I do like a lot of like themes that come from it. And I really like the perspective of like an ideal utopic world kind of viewing our world and kind of really, I, I always like that like mind uh, uh, or like mental puzzle of like, what do you think the next generation will look at us and think we're like barbaric um, for believing or practicing or doing. Um, and I feel like a lot of horror, a lot of sci-fi, they really kind of, especially horror, they really kind of, either literally or metaphorically kind of have a lot of commentary about kind of the darker sides of our current society or even just our psychology and things like that. I mean, if you look back and read some of the horror that was, you know, famous in, or not famous, you know, famous is is within reason. This is a very niche subject uh, Mm -hmm. or niche. Is it niche or niche? Anyway. I've heard both. Yeah. Either way. Uh, you know, if you, Ray Bradbury, right? There's there's a famous mm-hmm. writer. I think everybody reads into high school. Uh, well, he wrote some pretty dark stuff. Uh, probably not the stuff that you read in high school, but he wrote some stuff that is clearly horror. I mean, I think it was sci-fi. Um, yeah. yeah. But like, if you read like Martian Chronicles or Ars for Rocket or whatever, there are short stories in there that are like, what is going on? This is dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the stuff that he was talking about in those stories about you know oppressive ideologies and uh and you know let's just call it you know racism and sexism and all the things that are oops still a problem you know yeah Yeah. and i mean i think that stuff is like really interesting and you know um it's kind of poisoned me because i've been reading and watching this stuff for so much that like if something doesn't make me feel like a little uncomfortable you know, I'm I'm like not as engaged, <laughs> uh, you know, and whether that's doesn't have to be horror, but be challenging, you know, like, uh, I mean, popcorn movies are good. I'm not saying I didn't watch the Avengers. Of course I did. But, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I don't care. <laughs> I, I care about things like, you know, Prisoners, that movie that came out a couple mm, of years. That's on my list. Yeah, I really want to watch I don't, I won't say anything, but it is like I saw I've only seen that movie once and it was. God, like six years ago 
and I remember every moment of it because it is mm. it's not disturbing like it's not a uh like a horror movie exactly but it's 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 unsettling and it's like wow this is rough to watch you know and movies like that yeah. matter you know they children of men have you ever seen that that's on my list too i really okay. need to watch that one i mean children of men yeah. is like incredible and it's so relevant now and the movie's like 10 years old and it's basically about us today except for people who can still have babies like this is the only yeah. difference if you watch that movie you'll just be like oh that's just so, us <laughs> the premise real quick from what i understand is basically like people can no longer have children in that world or only a select few and i know there's like something with a child that yeah so the whole yeah. Plot, the pre- the world plot is that like no one's had a kid in like 17 years or something mm-hmm. and like the most famous person in the world is like the youngest person in the world who i think at the beginning of that movie is like 18 or 17 or something like that mm-hmm. um and it's just nobody's having babies anymore and no and there's no like discussion about where that happened it's cool because they don't waste time with saying you know an alien came or a comet flew by or something like that uh no they just say look no one's having kids anymore and why that would be scary i mean like i don't want to have kids but like i get why as a society that would be scary that means like oh this is you're the last generation us um and a woman who is a um refugee from you know kind of a war-torn country and this is in england it's in england which has a lot of problems with um uh well let's just call what it is racism and like political politicized immigration and stuff like that mm-hmm. um and that this movie plays with those ideas very much so so she has a baby and no one's had a baby for a long time and so it seems like mm-hmm. she's pretty important right and there's a group that wants to see why she was able to have the baby and the whole idea is is we got to get her to the coast we got to get her to this boat um and if Last of Us isn't based on this movie, I don't know what it. Like it's just, yeah, it's, it's just, just a real trip. Vibes, yeah. It's yeah, oh yeah. Like Last of Us came out way after this movie, um, but it's got. If you've played Last of Us, this is sort of like that. It, this isn't as like fascinated with like human misery, although there are some parts that are really dark. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, that movie is just about us. <laughs> it's just, it's not even sci-fi. Like, if you just like pretend that no one's having kids anymore, you just watch this as a documentary. It's really upsetting. Yeah, that's yeah, it's definitely one I'm. I really, really, really want to watch. Um, one of the other ones I really like. So I like a lot of surrealistic stuff. Actually, the DVD right here. Um, I don't know if you know the film Paprika. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a, love, Satoshi, Satoshi Kon. I worship love Satoshi Kon. He's amazing. Um, but to me, that's like in. Um, Fuck, how am I blinking on the name? It's the um, one with Leonardo DiCaprio and they go in dreams. Oh, that's... Um, yeah, it's a Stoji Kone. Like, Paprika it's like is the like, better version of that. Yeah, exactly. Paprika <laughs> is like the much more adult... Uh, not adult like porn, but like adult like in terms of intellectualism and like challenging. Like, it's like uh, Inception was made for like 12-year-olds Inception. and yeah. Paprika was made for <laughs> yeah. the adults who have read books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Paprika is really cool. It's like an anime. And it's an anime anime. Yeah. Like, they're a weird cool animation it goes out there um but god there are some parts in that movie that are just like i mean that movie is more fantasy but there are parts in that movie that are like kind of scary yeah it it goes all over the place like it kind of has this like tech that lets you go inside dreams so it's got that like sci-fi fantasy with a little bit of a horror kind of stuff but a lot of it i'm really rusty i haven't seen the movie in a while but from what i remember 
a lot of it has to kind of do with commentary on like um like disturbing desires and like necessarily what you want like because like a lot of it was like this guy trying to like control people's dreams to like take over the world and live out his personal dream over and control basically at the you know at the whim of everyone else's uh you know your choices your decisions don't matter anymore yeah that movie uh that movie's fantastic uh, you know there's a lot of really interesting like i don't want to sound like a weeb but uh there's a lot of anime out there that is like really interesting and challenging stuff like mm -hmm. You know, on the same subject as Children of Men uh, is a movie that came out, like, I think in 99. I'm not sure I was still in high school. Um, called Jin Ro. Yeah. The Wolf Jin Brigade. Great, yeah. Have you seen mm -hmm. that? Yeah. Yeah, that one's like, I just, I hadn't seen it uh, until I think like just a couple months ago. And uh, wow, that movie's stressful. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's just about, it's so it's sort of like so uh, for people that don't know that much about japanese history like you know we dropped the bombs at the end of world war ii which is horrible uh mm -hmm. for at least from in my opinion um and you know we had a very strong part in playing and rebuilding that country and this anime sort of takes this concept of like well, what if we just like really push japan to be a lot more militant uh mm. and they are like very fascist i would say in this, yeah in the, you know and what's weird is like the anime, like the narrative never comes out and says they're wrong. Like you just have to be paying attention and realizing, oh, the protagonists are the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, like at first it's just like, ooh, cool armor. Is it so? <laughs> like yeah. It's There's a lot of Nazi, Nazi yeah. like soldier kind of. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, and I, you know, I'm sure if I was like 18 or 19 when I watched it, I probably would have been like, oh, this is cool. Like it's like kind of like mega yeah. armor. And watching it like in my 30s, I was, oh, that's very Stormtrooper. And I don't mean Star yeah. Wars. <laughs> yeah, no, not that kind. Um, yeah, there's like a whole, for, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's a whole kind of plot line between the, like, these like rebels who are trying to overthrow this like oppressive uh, fascist government and all that stuff. Um, and there's a lot of like uh, Red Riding Hood kind of oh, like yeah, some, yeah, symbology yeah, yeah. going on there and stuff. Yeah, that's um, fun. But I mean, for me, I mean, actually, a lot of sci-fi stuff I started with was with Japanese stuff. I started with like Neon Genesis, Evangelion. I'm not sure if you know. Yeah. Um, so I think that kind of really got me like really interested in stuff that was much more kind of focused on like psychology, you know, mental illness. Um, like especially for me growing up, I had a lot of issues with like fitting in and like socializing. Um, I'm a horror yeah. writer on the internet. I, I think the I cliche. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you make videos. Um, you're an artist. I'm a writer. I I 100 mm -hmm. get it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like the others. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and then like it kind of really drew me to. So I really dived in a lot with Japanese sci-fi, and then I actually got into Lovecraft. That's kind of late, like high school, because I took a sci-fi uh, English like horror class with an English teacher in high school. Um, yeah, I was really that, late to the. Uh, that's, no, that's cool though. Like, yeah, I, no, I, she's a great teacher. It was I didn't awesome. get to read that shit in school. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's where I read. So I want to make sure I'm Ray Bradbury also wrote Fahrenheit, right? Fahrenheit yeah. Fifty One. Yeah, so yeah, that's which the is, only Ray Bradbury book I read well, in school. If you only um, read one, that is the one to read. That one is amazing. Yeah. Um, and for people who don't know, that one's a whole commentary on like book burning and like kind of repression of like um, knowledge and all that and. There's obviously a lot of other. Um, I'm really rusty. I haven't read this since high school, but that was the main thing that really kind of. So it reminds me of like the Nazi book burnings and yeah, and I think like that's, controlling. that's the very surface inspiration. And I mean, when it was written, yeah. 
it was written like not long after World War II. And so, you know, mm-hmm. we all, I think America and other Western countries had this image of the Nazis. They had these big rallies where they burned books. Well, guess what, guys? They weren't the only ones. We've done that plenty too. Um, yeah. But um, so in this world, intellectualism is, well, reading is essentially illegal. But it's not yeah. reading in general because they have like, <clears throat> the equivalent of blogs and magazines and comic books, but they don't have books anymore. And books yeah. are illegal. Uh, and the firemen, because all houses are fireproof now, firemen don't have to fight fires. <laughs> they mm-hmm. go and burn down houses that have books in them. Um, and it sounds very cheesy, but uh, yeah, that book's, that book's pretty impressive because it's not, you know, I, I think the initial imagery is very obviously about the Nazis and the book burning. But it's really kind of talking about, you know, the preservation of ideas, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and like, you know, I don't think people should read books from the 1800s that have slurs in them maybe anymore, like talking about banned books, but like those books should still be around, you know, and and like, yeah, maybe maybe we shouldn't be reading Tom Sawyer in high school, but I think those books are important. I I think lots of books are important Mm -hmm. and like, you know, we you know if we got rid of like you know let's let's use a modern example what's his name uh info wars guy i hate you know i hate him oh, Alex Jones. Um, Alex Jones. yeah yeah uh you know if we took all of his videos it's not books because whatever but let's take it we took all his videos and deleted them uh and everyone else that disagreed with you know anything progressive and we burned them all well that's great for the moment um, but like, if we don't like have those things, um, then we won't know what to look for with like, you know, hate mongering and other stuff like that. Um, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I'm Jewish when I was a kid and I, you know, I never wanted to go to the Holocaust museums ever. I hmm. refused. I mean, like even watching Stindl's list was like really hard because, you know, for obvious reasons, it's a very upsetting yeah. subject. Um, but I, I did go to one a few years ago, finally in Israel and, um, there's this room i mean first of all they have all these amazing like horrible nazi propaganda and stuff that's preserved there and you can see how like milton bradley made a nazi themed monopoly for the for the nazi party I, like literally branded milton or and huh. whatever which is whew. um you know and they've got all that stuff there uh, but there's also this room where you walk in and you know I, at least i did not notice at first that you're walking on glass that the floor is you know transparent and my i was there with my sister and she pointed downwards kind of in horror uh and there are just like hundreds and hundreds of pairs of shoes mm-hmm. you yeah. know um and i mean i think that's a common image that people talk about with the holocaust but like it's another thing to be in the room with them and it's yeah. like you know i could i could imagine people that live through that that would have wanted those shoes thrown out and let's, let's not talk about it. It's too harmful. It's too hurtful. And, and I respect that entirely, but also, you know, if we destroyed all those ideas, um, you know, then maybe that happens again. I mean, like to some mm-hmm. extent, anyway, um, why did we get on the subject from SCP? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's really important though. Like, uh, there's a lot of discussion with my college. So I'm a college grad, but a few years ago I was in college and, we had a statue of Thomas Jefferson on our campus. And there were a lot of people who were debating, like, should we have this statue or not? Um, Because obviously he had slaves um, 
he had most likely a forced relationship on one of those slaves. Um, and so, you know, especially looking at it with a modern, I mean, not even a modern look, there are people in his time who also kind of knew morally that was pretty irre- irrehensible. He did. Um, like yeah. there are there are things that he wrote that pretty clearly condemned slavery, and then you know, and then you know, it's yeah, the hip- you know, he was, this is the man that wrote the, uh, the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. You know, uh, that's not a document that seems to be in agreement with, at least from a modern perspective. You'd think that the Declaration of Independence is pretty against slavery, but uh, it wasn't. Yeah, it depends who you ask. Like yeah. you have Hamilton and other people who are like it clearly says it's freedom for all men. Um, but the thing is, then is how do you define men? Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, Hamilton isn't. But you know, <laughs> yeah. but, you know even even in, in that period, that argument of like uh, the morality of slavery is pretty ambiguous. It's not like everyone was like, "Oh, slaves are fine," because you know their abolitionist movement did exist then. Totally. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, by that point, and Jefferson before he was president, even I think was ambassador to France or England. It was uh, France, yeah. It was France. Pretty and sure. like, at that yeah. point, I'm pretty sure they had already outlawed slavery. And mm-hmm. and and so he knew, you know, he was there and liked France a lot, wrote very, very nice things about how great France was. Uh, and while yeah. he was there, he paid his slaves because they were servants and not slaves, which mm. even if they were just servants, there's issues with that, in my opinion. Um, yeah. So it's not like he wasn't aware. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but, Jefferson. But anyway, I guess the point I was really trying to briefly touch on, because this is a whole can of worms, to be honest. Um, it's a pretty deep uh, conversation. But my whole point is I like to, like, really see history for what it is and not try to, like, push away the uncomfortable facts. Yeah. Like, I, I am of the personal belief that, like, we can still honor, like, certain accomplishments, but you have to be very aware. Like, these people, you can still, like, enjoy. Ah, man, it's so complicated. Like, our, the No, I totally know. I'm yeah i was talking about lovecraft earlier it's the same deal yeah it's not as important as somebody like jefferson but like yeah there's like and i mean now every other week we're finding out you know i mentioned avengers earlier and now it's pretty clear joss whedon was kind of a terrible person which sucks Mm -hmm. because i used to think that guy made cool movies yeah and you know i think there's a lot of that where you have to this you don't have to decide I'm throwing out every aspect of this person's work, whether they're an artist or Thomas Jefferson or whatever. Um, but like, you better not be pretending it didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, like that's why history is important. It's not just to like read about, you know, cool Spartan warriors, like people that talk about <laughs> Sparta and this and yeah. that movie 300, mm-hmm. like that movie really makes me mad because I studied a lot of Greek history and that movie like portrays Sparta as these warriors of freedom, and they enslaved an entire people. There mm-hmm. were the Helots, were an entire people that they, as a tradition, treated like you know less than cattle. Like, yeah, that were their slaves. They were like their slave soldiers. They were slave workers. But then they were also just like, you know, part of the growing up process. Like, instead of having a bad mitzvah, they sent out little kids to beat up on the helots with knives yeah. and shit. Like, history's rough. <laughs> Let's, you yeah. know, I, and it's, and you don't have to go, well, that was a different time. And it was, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there are lots of things where you look back in, like, medieval politics and stuff, and, you know, you can't really totally hold it to modern standards. But also, we can look at it through 
what we know ethics are now you know yeah. and say well we don't want to do that again because that was horrible learn from history isn't that the point right yeah i mean that's the whole point of learning history not just because you know people with shields and spears are cool which they were yeah <laughs> like the samurai pretty quick. cool and that's one of the reasons why i'm a huge history fan it's not just also because i'm interested in like knowing where i came from or where like literally everything that was around me that exists came from but also kind of you can't avoid kind of the whole like i guess this is where like the star trek kind of stuff comes in where they kind of talk about like um there's like a macro and micro scale where you can kind of understand human psychology through understanding our history as a whole too um and so i feel like there's a lot of stuff you can kind of personally learn to a degree um about your current society and the things that you're the history that you're a part of right now um you know because i think it's important to understand that like the people that lived during the greek age or the roman age or the persian empire or whatever they weren't dumber than us yeah you know like we were like the same people a hundred percent a hundred percent i mean like i studied you know in my undergrad i was i studied archaeology and part of that is physical anthropology which is you know looking at the evolution of literally the evolution of the different pre-humanoids and, and whatnot well we've been monetary mm-hmm. like um uh i forget like basically the human form that we are now for like a long time long before yeah. egypt long before like we were cavemen and we were basically you and me you know maybe we wouldn't mm-hmm. live as long because there was no medicine and we had very rough lives but yeah. you know yeah they were just as smart maybe they didn't have shakespeare but you know they had stories and language and community. So when people, it's, you know, it's a problem that early anthropologists really ran into that they were mostly white people going into other places and seeing, Oh, well, these people still have spears, but we have guns. So we must be more intelligent. Well, no, it just means you come from a society that was, you know, happened to have more access to technology. You know, I think that's what's yeah. really cool about Star Trek. I mean, one of the things about Star Trek I really liked was this idea of like, if we find people that yes. don't know, mm-hmm. I forget what they call that, but if they don't know, Prime Directive, Prime Directive yeah. if they mm-hmm. don't know about spaceflight, we, we really need to not tell them. And it's not to keep them in the dark. It's because it's not our place to like, you know, inject our, I always liked that because it wasn't like looking down on those people. It was about trying to let them come to their own, you know, history mm-hmm. or whatever. Um. Yeah, I, I, Star Trek is cool. I agree. I'm not a big episodic guys. Yeah. But uh, the the core concepts are like really pretty amazing, especially because I think I don't know. I'm not an expert, but like in the historical, they talk a lot about like the early like 2000s or I forget when they had like their horrible time before you know Starfleet and before you know uh all of the uh earth became one unified country and you know they i i at least in some of those i remember them talking about like you know humanity hasn't always been great humanity's been real bad uh and that's why yeah, we no, want yeah. to be better now <laughs> they definitely reference like the 80s i mean so like next generation was in the 80s um and then you have 80s to 90s and then you have um deep space 9 which is 90s uh to early 2000s but they definitely will definitely have commentary about society in the time that it was airing yeah um which is kind of cool i mean the original star trek was what 64 65 long time ago and there weren't a lot of uh black women or or Mm -hmm. you know asian men on tv uh so even 
and I mean that's that's a small thing now, but man, that's for representation. That's pretty great. Like, I mean, Captain Kirk was still like a total chauvinist. <laughs> he treated yeah. he treated other people badly, but like whatever. Like that show did have in its heart, you know, probably a good perspective. And I'm pretty sure it holds the record, the historical uh, record for the first like interracial kiss on like broadcast to television. Um, so that was kind of cool. It, like that was, I mean, that's it was interesting. Even for that time, it was considered like very progressive and like out there. That show. Well, I mean, um, it wasn't that long before that show was on that it was still okay for some states to make it illegal for you to marry someone outside of your race which is yeah. bullshit um mm-hmm. you know i wasn't i went to law school and one of the cases we read is where the supreme court finally and i mean it was in the 50s the 50s yeah. that is not to say that everywhere in the country it was illegal but like certain states probably in the south uh sorry guys um <laughs> had laws that were like you know you can't marry you know uh, me if somebody yeah. was like a non-Jew, they couldn't marry somebody who was a Jew or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, and that was in the, fi- I, I forget when that case was, it might've been 52. Um, but that's only like, what, 10 years before Star Trek? So yeah, that that's really impressive. I mean, you know, California was probably always a little more progressive than some of those states, but. I remember the court case being like something versus love. Cause I think yeah, his, the guy's the last, last name was love. That's right. The married couple's yeah. last name was love. That's right. I'm like, wow. They made a good movie yeah. about that. Uh, well, it was all yeah. right. But it had Ruth Nega, who's a really excellent mm-hmm. actress. Um, yeah, we should probably get back to talking about SCP. Yeah. It, I enjoy the tangents just as much. <laughs> Me too. Um, well, so yeah, as a segue, I guess. Um, what are some of those like individual standalone pieces that oh, you right. kind of really yeah, enjoy? So, so yeah, we talked a lot earlier about like a series, which I definitely do. Um, but because this is flash fiction and flash fiction is all about, you know, let's not get ourselves shorter kind of bite-sized stuff. I do have a focus on trying to do some sort of standalone ideas. Um, one of those is five, eight, eight, nine, which we talked about, which is about, um, basically a series of broadcasts. Um, but they're very targeted radio broadcasts and, um, it usually is only one person overhears them uh, and, mm. and they're able to be recorded, um, but they have a mimetic effect, which makes you um, it's anti-mimetic and it's mimetic because you don't remember the content of the broadcast, which doesn't apply to the transcript. So you could read a transcript of it, um, but it makes you remarkably essentially upset. Um, it was kind of commentary because there's a trope on the wiki that is, you know, things that make you crazy. Um, yeah. And I'm sure you've heard that before. And a lot of your mm-hmm. listeners, if they know anything about it, it's just a thing that happens a lot in the wiki that like you run into a box or a weird monster or a God or whatever, <laughs> and it makes you crazy. Um, and that's pretty boring. Um, not because it's bad, but because it's just sort of been done a lot. Right. And that's, that's all the way back to Lovecraft. That's, you know, if you saw, if you're face to face with Cthulhu, yeah, he's scary because he can physically kill you, but also he's scary because just, you know, looking at him will make you nuts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so 5889 is kind of like, kind of a like a jokey sort of like, oh yeah, there's this radio show that if you listen, you become like existentially afraid for your existence, <laughs> but you don't remember what you listened to. You just remember that you were scared. Um, 
and the what's so funny is you know and i and we can talk about this in a second but i do a lot of the crit like i mentioned i'm on the butterfly squad roster um and i'm always telling people when i'm you know especially newer authors uh like first-time authors you know forget about the anomaly for a second i don't care who cares what is the story you want to tell like mm. and for me i just wanted to tell a series of like little vignettes about weird radio shows uh that are like kind of politically commentary um and so i was just like well i don't know let's make a anomaly that's that makes you lose your mind for a second uh <laughs> um but i've gotten a lot of good feedback on that one and that one uh is doing pretty well um a lot of comments actually like 33 comments um Oh, wow. Yeah, normally you get like yeah. five or ten, maybe. Yeah, and comments are great because you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love it when people upvote stuff. That it feels good. You spend like, you know, a day writing an article, and and you know, it feels nice to have strangers on the internet. You do the little plus one or whatever. But the comments really do matter. Like if you you know read a story and you're a member of the wiki, uh, you know, if you like it, leave a comment about what you liked, or if you didn't like it, leave a comment about what you didn't like. Um, it's it's like really engaging stuff. Um, but anyway, um, that one started a whole, like, it's not even a storyline because I have like, there's like eight articles, seven articles now, uh, by a few different authors and myself about this media company. Like I mentioned earlier, Vikander need, um, that just does screwed up media. And it's just like an excuse to like, so I have one about a game show that I wrote with somebody else. Um, hmm. and I just have always thought game shows were like the stupidest form of entertainment. Like, I don't understand yeah, why I, agree, I just agree. have no idea why anyone would watch it. There's no mm-hmm. characters, there's no drama. I don't know what is the point of this. Like, I even understand why people watch soap operas. Like, I wouldn't, but like, at least there's characters and drama. Um, whether or not somebody knows the answer to a riddle, like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's basically just that for like, you know. 2500 words which just like mocking the whole concept uh but like in really disturbing ways like the host is like in a 1950s style like checkerboard uh suit but like his eyes are like constantly leaking like black oily tears and his, <laughs> and his yeah. teeth are bloody but he's not killing anyone he just looks horrible but he sounds like a really disinterested host like even it's supposed to be the pilot for a new game show and oh, okay. and even then he's just like Ugh. You know, because I that's how I feel about them. Um, but 5889 is the one about the radios. And it, it just is. It was just an experiment. It was just trying to, like, let's see what the audience would say about something that was just obviously political. Um, and so, you know, it's supposed to be a radio show that's targeting people's fears but for the most part, although I think I did include a little spider story in there, so there is an acro, you know, uh, what arachnophobia. But mostly the fears that the radio show is targeting is like social fears, um, mm. and you know, there's one about um, you know the California governor, you know, uh, giving up his seat to like Satanists in the '80s because <laughs> of the Satanic Panic, and you know, there's one about it's a sex show where somebody calls in it's supposed to be like a steamy show but it just turns into her acting like a dom 
talking town to this guy and talking about how he needs to beg his job to like validate his, you know, beg his boss to validate his experience, you know, his existence, huh. you know, it's, there's nothing sexual about it whatsoever, yeah. uh, but her tone is very much in line with like one of those steamy radio shows. Um, interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I had a co-author with that. So to be fair, um, some of the other ones, the standalone ones I did one for, we did. So there was a contest a little while ago for Valentine's day. Um, yeah. And my entry was SCP-3809, and <laughs> the title was Love in the Time of Algorithms. Hmm. Um, and it's about a satellite that developed sentience, which I think has happened like twice before on the wiki, so it's not yeah. that original. Hmm. But uh, this satellite becomes obsessed uh, with <laughs> with uh, Pastor Joel Austin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I don't know if you know who that is. No, I actually don't. Okay, so Joel is he one Austin, of those, like mega church, yes, like guys, right? Okay. Yeah, he is a huge mega church guy, and I think Austin, and I'm not sure. It's in Texas. It might be Dallas. I'm not sure. So don't quote me. Uh, and he has this huge church called Lakewood Church. Um, and, you know, and he's famous because he's on the internet all the time. And he's one of those types, and very financially successful which I have mm. issues with just the idea that you make millions of dollars just being a preacher seems questionable. Um, yeah. But he also became kind of a, uh, a big deal because a few years ago there was a hurricane. I think it was like 20. Oh, this guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he would not open his church's doors, not even to his constituents or that's, that's a political, the members of the church congregation. Yeah. So congregation, yeah. you know, and afterwards he said that wasn't true and there was a re- but whatever, you know, and I thought it would be funny, um, and it, you know, and it is a comedy article in some ways. Um, that what if this AI was just in love with like, well, you know, a mega church douchebag? Uh, <laughs> because I don't know if I could write like a traditional romance, and that was the theme for the mm-hmm. contest, uh, and it did pretty well. I got second place, so um, wow, bad. Uh, but it is like pretty ridiculous because she's like. Um, very um she kind of does read like an obsessive stalker um but Mm. like i try to play it out for like comedy um so like at one point she calls his assistant um and uh he's like trying to get rid of her because he she he just thinks that she's you know an obsessed fan not knowing that she's like a weird mega computer satellite thing And he's trying to get her off the phone and he's trying to end the call, but she's like basically stopping the call from ending. Um, mm. And she says, okay, just one question before you go. How dedicated is Joel to the whole sanctity of marriage thing? Oh, wow. <laughs> and I just kind of like tried to throw in as many things as possible that were like, you know, sort of mocking the whole concept of like these people that are famous and powerful because of morality like yeah it's really weird it's a very american mm-hmm. thing yeah like yeah <clears throat> you know it's like what if gandhi he's maybe a bad example but like you know what if gandhi was like super rich i don't know maybe he was i don't know but like what if he had like a <laughs> millions of people listen to gandhi on the radio every week because he was such a moral person you know that's mm-hmm. the equivalent of the mega church televangelists and i just have always kind of felt like they should be mocked at every opportunity <laughs> oh yeah definitely my european friends don't hesitate to like yeah brand that as like 
American. <laughs> like when they think of America, it's one of the things they think of. Yeah, it's one of those things where you talk to people that like I have lots of friends that live in, in other countries. Like I have several friends that live in Japan and um mm. and they're always just like, Oh right, yeah, American pop and they just they see like like the stuff of like Donald Trump and they're like, Oh, this that's what America's like. It's like, okay, it's sort of true. <laughs> but but like it's also not like it's Yeah, it depends uh, where you go. Yeah. Um and I mean, you know, a lot of these stories will have kind of a horror or unsettling vibe, but like also kind of a comedic side to it. Because I feel like they're like two sides of the same coin. Like, yeah, um, you know, I think the best parts of like, I don't listen to a lot of Night Vale anymore, but like I have hmm. like wait when it was like a big deal. Well, I guess it still is a big deal. But like when it first was coming around uh, and I always thought the best part about that show and other ones like it was how it could switch between uh, being funny and being like kind of unsettling at the drop of a hat, uh, mm. and that's like the best part about anything <laughs> is yeah, you I mean, make I me love laugh. Like dark humor and all that stuff. Yeah, like yeah, black like humor, dark comedies. You know, it, why is Monty Python so funny? Like, still, mm-hmm. like because yeah. there are there are some of those skits, like you know, Holy Grail. There is like there's moments that skits where you're like, oh my god, people are just dying, like, left and right. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't funny, but you're like, I am laughing, I'm very uncomfortable, but I'm laughing. (laughs) Um, So, check those out. I definitely am going to check out the Megachurch satellite one. Um, That sounds like a a pretty fun one. Um, But, so you briefly mentioned, you're part of the Butterfly, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher the name, Butterfly I think it's Blood Squad Roster. Roster. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. So, so, so what's uh, that about? So a couple years ago, and I think uh, I'm, I'm friends with Place, and I saw your interview with Place. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think he talked a little bit about the green lighting process. But yeah, I think it was about a year and a half ago. So I'm, I'm relatively new to the website, even though I've got like 37 articles. Um, wow. I just, you know, it's pandemic. I've just been really bored. Uh, That's fair, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it feels good to be creative. Um, but um, about six to seven months ago, maybe a little longer, I volunteered uh, to join the. It's like, not, I'm not staff because I don't want to be, I don't want to mm-hmm. deal with that. Uh, but yeah. I'm part of this group of volunteers that are for, that's just for critique. So um, the new authors, uh, if they want, so anyone can post to the wiki at any time um if i had never had anyone ever look at a story i could have posted it directly to the wiki will that survive maybe i you know i had a lot of experience writing so maybe i would have been okay but probably not Mm. because it's a different sort of fiction than is you know it's flash fiction and yeah like we talked about there are certain limitations to the format of an scp um so the best way to go about it is to have someone look at your concept and see if the concept is, you know, is it just tropey? You know, I mean, thing is, a lot of people come to, and I'm not trying to insult or anything else. A lot of people come to the wiki or the concept of SCP from outside. And the outside offsite sort of fandom um, isn't aware of a lot of articles because the games or, you know, Vulgan or whoever hasn't covered them yet. There are yeah. almost 6,000 articles now. Well, and sorry, there are almost 6,000 SCPs. There are almost yeah. another four to 5,000 tales, um, oh which get a lot less attention. But, you know, that that's a lot of stuff. And I haven't read, yeah. I mean, even half of it. Um, but so, you know, a lot of people will 
come to the website and they'll have only read i don't know 049 or they've only read stuff from dj cactus or and mm-hmm. you know i'm not i'm not saying anything that's there's nothing wrong with that you know before i was you know really deep into it i'd only ever read metaphysician who's the guy who invented sarcasm yeah um mm-hmm. who i'm friends with now which is really cool um <laughs> but you know so i didn't know anything about anything and that's true of anyone that's first coming to the thing and so the green light process is hey you're a new author you want to get the more established authors, whether or not that's just somebody who has three articles or 20 articles, and you want them to take a look at your stuff to give you critique, to either help with the story or to just tell you what they think about it. And if you want to be able to show the draft, you're going to have to show that you have an idea worth looking at. And so the green lane process is, hey, spend 400 words, sell your idea to me just give me the elevator pitch okay um and you know they put a post on the forums um and they need two green lights from an author that at least has three articles or is on the butterfly squad roster so some people have volunteered for the roster that aren't authors that have shown that they're they know enough about the writing and they've been supervised or whatever Hmm. and so you know, what will happen is most of the time, you know, there are there's channels on IRC or Discord where people can approach you about it. But mostly I, I want people to, like, message me on the wiki.pm and with a link on there for their post. And then I go and look <clears throat> at the idea post. And so they're supposed to be like, OK, here's kind of the layout. Spend a couple of words. Tell me what the layout's going to look like. And most important, tell me what the hook is. What's the hook? What's the central narrative? If the only thing that's going on in this idea post is telling me about all the interesting aspects of your anomaly um i'm probably not gonna agree i'm gonna ask you some questions because um you know it's been a while since series one and we as a community have evolved um and if if it's just like an entry in a DD monster manual that's not gonna work maybe sometimes it does sometimes something is so just different and original or has just an interesting tone or it's very funny or whatever that it does work yeah but most of the time you know it's not going to work and so uh, that's why earlier i think i said you know you should not worry about the anomaly tell me what the story is what do you want to write about what is it you care about um it doesn't matter if it's just a funny story or you want to talk about your grandma or it doesn't matter. Like any story is relevant because it's all human. We, we, we all can all relate to something that you've experienced. Trust me, as different people as everyone is, there's something that we can relate to, whether that's, you know, your struggles coming out of the closet or, you know, your struggles just going to school or whatever. And it's very common mm-hmm. that people are young that are coming to the wiki for the first time. Yeah. Um, and so that's all, you know, good. But the point is, is, to try and it, people look at it like gatekeeping and i guess it's not it's not totally wrong because the green lighting process is sort of providing a threshold but it's not intended to keep people out it really isn't it is intended to help people out because it's very common that someone will cold post something to the wiki and then it gets downloaded to deletion within less than mm-hmm. a day and that can be very discouraging and then maybe we yeah. lose somebody that would have been the next DJ Cactus. Totally possible. There are new authors that have come out in the last you know year, like myself. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> that are like you know that are that have come up with like really truly original stuff. 
that you know had they just cold posted or if they had been discouraged they wouldn't have kept writing um and so the idea is to kind of give a new author a bit of you know it seems like gatekeeping but it's really about hey here's why i think this idea might not work at least in its current form um and i'm always trying to be super constructive about it and i think Mm. you'd be kicked off the squad pretty quickly if you weren't being constructive about it um and I also do critique a lot on drafts, uh, but that's just, you know, looking at a story saying, hey, this part's kind of boring, yeah. uh, you know, or <clears throat> the most common thing is, hey, so all that dialogue you have in the middle, you should read that out loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Read it out loud. And if it seems weird to you when you read it by yourself in your room, mm-hmm. I'm going to think it's weird <laughs> if I'm the reader. Um People think that's the strangest advice ever. Uh, that don't it write. Works. Oh yeah, yeah. It, but it, it this, works like, so well. this is the oldest trick in the book. Shakespeare probably mm-hmm. did it. You know, I mean, like yeah. you read it out loud to yourself. It sounds weird to yourself, but if you're like, "Wow, that guy sounds awkward," yeah, that's because the dialogue is awkward. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it's something I really, you know, try to focus on as character and dialogue stuff. So, you know, I'm not the best at spelling and grammar. I'm fine. Uh, but I mostly rely on other authors that are my friends that are really good at that stuff to look over my stuff to make sure there's no yeah. errors. Um, thank you, Harry Blank. Um, but um, I'm always focused on like story structure and flow and character work. And, you know, um, I think it's very easy to think that this idea or that idea is like really edgy and like really trying something new without realizing that like well 40 people have already done that on the site um and so my biggest advice other than don't worry about the anomaly for a second tell me what the story is which is always the most important it doesn't have to be a novel it could be 200 words well that's pretty short but it could be a thousand words it could be a very short article and it could still have narrative could still have a story uh some sort of arc with a climax and a resolution that doesn't mean people always ask, well, it's a resolution. I don't want to explain everything. Well, that's not what a resolution means. <laughs> it's it's not, here's what happened. It's, yeah. you know, how is it different? A story should be, we start here and we end here. What's changed in, in that mm-hmm. in that path? Um, and the biggest thing that I'm always trying to convince people to do before they try and write for the wiki is read on the wiki. <laughs> yeah you know, no seriously because i i you know I, we never cover this but um i discovered the wiki really late i'm 40 i discovered it at 35 um hmm. which is i think uncommon there are some others that i know that are in their 30s but i think it's, a lot of people I talk common, to, yeah yeah i talked a lot of people i talked to are in their 20s at most or they're teenagers which is cool hmm. i'm not there's nothing wrong with that um but i was like you know it was the year before i started law school and i was just stressed out in my life and i was on reddit and i forget where i was talking about how there's just like not a not a lot of new interesting like eldritch horror you know some Mm. some conversation where i don't remember what subreddit it was fucking reddit um (laughs) uh and somebody was like oh did you know about you know scp And, and i was like no what's that um and so i never had that moment of uh scp real um because oh. i was in my 30s but you know it was but i was immediately taken with the format you know i was immediately like oh i i get why people like this so much because it it has this 
versus versimilitude is that the right word where like it feels real even though it's not realistic hmm. like uh it feels like a government or uh some weird organization yeah, yeah, guess, actually yeah. made these files um and uh i think my first one i read was something by metaphysician it was one of the earliest sarkic sarkism articles and i went oh, cool. what yeah. What is this horrible body <laughs> horror, David Cronenberg? <laughs> yeah. This is great, um, you know. And, and so I got sucked in pretty hard from that. Um, but even so, my first idea, which four six one two is my first article, I thank God so far I've never had anything deleted. But oh wow, um, nice! It, it, I had to do the green light process. I, I'm a new enough author. I started in November of 2019. It was a relatively new process at that point, but I, I didn't know anything different <clears throat> because I didn't join until 2019. Like I just read mm. stuff for years. Oh, okay. I would wow. just like look it up on my phone and be like, oh, cool. And I would always see the little ads that popped up and be like, well, that's weird. What do you mean sign in? You can be, I never worried about it. And then after I graduated law school and I had more free time, um, I kind of thought, well, why don't I join and try my hand at writing an article? And 4612, um, looked nothing like it does now <laughs> i mean it was about like it was kind of a ripoff of like hellboy and bprd at the beginning like i mean it was oh, about really? like a group of like uh, world war ii vets who like find an abandoned bunker and it's literally the corpse of the uh, like abrahamic god and stuff like you know, and you can see the core ideas of where that yeah. started but like it was because i talked to like other like well, at the time, I was not an author, not really, um, but like more established authors that went like, hey, you know, I don't mean to be harsh, but like, I don't think this is going to work for your first article. You're talking, you're going to mm. talk about the literally the God of like Abraham dead in a bunker. <laughs> I mean, that might work, but yeah, something tells me that like the first thing you write on the wiki shouldn't be quite so, you know, insane in scope. And that's another thing that people run into a lot is oh well i have this story about this thing that shows up and it's gonna end the world yeah mm -hmm. yeah okay cool um well we've seen that a little bit what i would suggest is like let's take it down a notch like mm -hmm. um the first step i think a lot of people take with anomalous effects is um you know it makes you crazy or it makes you into a murderer or it kills you because it's just it may, and then and then they drown themselves <laughs> what if like i just did one and i won't say who i was looking at you know uh -huh. um but i was just looking at a proposal for a new idea and it was a pretty cool idea um and actually it was a draft for something um and it um it overall was very interesting um but one of the things that happens is that if you were to be exposed to this thing, um, you get very obsessed with like the ocean. And the first thing I thought was, oh, that's fascinating. So it's like the sailors stuck at home or the sailors' wives being like looking out to sea. This could be really very cool. And then mm -hmm. they drown themselves. And I was like, mm -hmm. whoa, 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 whoa. Why don't we just stop right before that? <laughs> what yeah. if the people that are affected by this anomaly, you know, just just need to be around the ocean? Like they, they, they just feel a compulsion to move closer to the ocean, whether that means living in a shack or whatever. And they, you know, and that's going to ruin your life because you're yeah. just because you can't stand not staring at the ocean for 10 hours a day. It's just as devastating. And it actually is more interesting. 
because we haven't seen it a thousand times. Reminds me of almost like cordyceps, where like once you're infected, it makes bugs want to go to the high ground. Oh yeah, um, yeah. On branches and things like that. Yeah. Isn't that because like uh, to avoid um, like flooding and stuff? Yeah, I think it's more so. Um, I think the wind so it can carry the spores oh, of the uh, right, fungus. It's a mushroom. It's a mushroom. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Speaking of mushrooms, actually, I have like a fun mushroom SCP. <laughs> yeah yeah it's one of the standalone ones i i mentioned to you before it was it's 5079 uh and it's about and i wrote that about a month into the pandemic uh Hmm. uh, and i was really feeling the isolation and it's about this guy kid whatever uh who's really lonely and who wants to just connect with other people and thinks the best way to do that is like through magic (laughs) or like ritual right because it's the scp shit's weird um and he goes on to like irc and like talks to like weird like you know dark web magician people or whatever uh and he gets turned on to like a ritual that is meant to like bring people closer together well it's actually like weird sarkic stuff that's meant to like create like essentially like melding people together (laughs) and so but and he's supposed to do with other people and he just like puts it out on the internet and so it just like makes people like slowly turn into like these bloody like uh fungus growths Uh, and i get to really mess around with like body horror like when they find him he's just like grow like you can kind of see where the body was and he's just like growing Mm -hmm. up the side of the wall uh that's interesting yeah i like that fungus growing out of people i don't know there's that hannibal episode i just I, I immediately think of like when i was a kid i ran into some like weird people uh online who like no you've been weird people online? Know, right? Whoa. <laughs> they're the homesick phantom there's this one person i talked to who was like really getting into like the hyper new age stuff but also mixing it with like moses and like abrahamic religion stuff uh, and it was very much like i had that like supernatural like i know the true nature of god and like magic <laughs> and things like that 10 to 1 um, that person thinks the world is flat he's one of those people right probably now, now. I, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> he's like he's like look if you look at this camera you can tell that there's no curvation to the world no I'm <laughs> yeah but i mean actually you know um you know it was a long time ago but i studied anthropology and, and part of that is focusing on folklore and how the like syncretism and how ideas like merge together especially of mm. a religious nature um so it sounds silly to like take abraham and and mix it with new age stuff right but uh and it probably was <laughs> this person yeah. probably was being pretty silly well he also threw in like thoth and egyptian mythology too of course. It yeah, like, it's new age yeah everything. of course thoth was in there of course yeah people have been like recycling thoth forever like it's mm-hmm. so funny because the greeks did it even though they weren't egyptian yeah. Uh, and they didn't believe in Egyptian gods, but they were like, ooh, Toth, he seems cool. Uh, <laughs> and then, like, Aleister Crowley talked a lot about Toth. And it's like, dude, what do you mean? Oh, really? Are you worshiping Egyptian gods? No, but Toth, he seems all right. Uh, <laughs> he's like the god of knowledge. Uh, yeah, all right, fine. Um, but, like, that is, like, what, I mean, let's, it normally just turns into cults. But sometimes, yeah. like, religions, I mean, like, if you look at Christianity, and I don't want to offend anybody's religious ideas, but like if you look at Christianity and the ideas, that's just the idea of it. Um, it's not a natural evolution of Judaism, but like you can totally see how whoever, Jesus, whoever, um, who came up with a lot of these central tenets certainly was growing up around, you know, people that believed in Judaism. Um, 
and it's probably pretty clear that they were around Zoroastrianism as well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's also true if you go all the way back. You know, the, the, the <laughs> just I just watched. I don't know why I watched it, but there was a movie that Aronofsky did about Noah. I, I actually haven't heard of that. You, do you know Darren Aronofsky? He's the one yeah, with yeah. Pi and and and. Uh, that horrible drug movie. What was that movie called? Yeah, I written for a dream. Um, Black I mean, it's not Swan. horrible. It's a good movie, but it's really um, horrifying. It's disturbing. Yeah. yeah it's disturbing. Um, so he did a movie about Noah, like the Ark and shit, which is hilarious to me. That the was guy this recent. I don't know what it was. I think it was like 2016 or 2017. Oh, yeah, that's probably why I don't know about it. Yeah, but mm. he's made a lot of good movies. Like I thought, the yeah, fountain was really yes. cool, and the wrestler is an amazing movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I thought, hey, if anyone can make noah interesting it's there no that movie's not good (laughs) (laughs) damn it's just a movie about fucking noah anyway but like if you look at that story um the sumerians had a story that is almost exactly the story of the the great Great flood Flood. yeah like i mean Mm -hmm. and the sumerians we know from archaeology were around a lot longer a lot earlier than uh the you know earliest what we could identify as like the earliest jews so i mean I wonder if they got that story. I mean, that's how that's how syncretism works. Is you take like, mm-hmm. you know that that person who was taken home stuck and uh, and new age <laughs> and, and Abraham mm-hmm. is smashing it together is probably, you know, probably just trying to figure out his life. But you know, that is weird how those ideas. I mean, shit. Even for fiction, right? We, yeah. we just say, oh, I like this and uh, I like I like this bit. And smash it together. And even for me, it's not even conscious a lot of times. Like no. there's there was one like personal work I was writing on, and I was realizing, wait, wait a sec. This is like Half Life Two meets Bloodborne meets like these other things I've been reading. Like, yeah, where is this coming from? Like, I mean, yeah. you're not the first person. I, I mean, I, I, Sherm, I think when we we chatted about four six one two, and he was like. He was like, have you played Budborn? <laughs> and, and I went, I have. Oh, you know what? Yeah, that does seem to have a bit. Like, I didn't even know. Like, I didn't even think about yeah. it because it's not explicit. But mm-hmm. also somebody shows up in like a tricorn hat. And I mean, that's, I mean, come on. Yeah. That's very Bloodborne. I never would have thought tricorn hats were cool until Bloodborne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, those ideas, they get in their head. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I probably never intentionally try to write a story that's exactly like clive barker's you Mm. know like in something about pinhead but like let's not kid ourselves a lot of those stories have had i've read all of his books his imagery has gotten into my head at some point yeah you know i mean lovecraft uh you know i if you go back and read lovecraft now let's just face it he wasn't the best writer (laughs) he was (laughs) he was was terrible dialogue and his prose is incredibly purple but like his ideas and how he describes but doesn't describe stuff, you know, the way he would describe one aspect of a monster, like he would just talk yeah. about how their skin looked and felt and that was it. And that was enough to make you go, oh, gee, well, what the what the fuck does the rest of it look like? You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and I think that has a lot to do with SCP, too, mm-hmm. is like the best one, not all of them, but. You know, the best ones and something I'm always trying to do is how much exact information am I going to get? You know, yeah. there's the description of every single SCP file. That's the second part of the whole article. Mm-hmm. But how much am I really going to tell in that story? You know, how much is going to be revealed in the addenda and how much is just going to be implied? Um, like one of the other standalone ones I, I mentioned uh, was 5923. And 5923 is about uh, an abandoned 
town that was abandoned because of a um, population swap. And this actually happened between Turkey and Greece because there were a lot of people mm-hmm. that were Turkish that were living in Greece and a lot of people that were Greek that were li- like ethically that were living in Turkey. And the two governments thought it would be better if they were with their own people. Those people did not agree, <laughs> obviously. Like yeah. they had been living in these places for generations. Like this was a Greek town. This is a real place. I'm not going to butcher its name uh, by trying to pronounce it. Um, that was has been abandoned for you know a hundred years because for like 300 years before that, uh, you know it had been these people that were ethnically Greek and had always been. And they just lived in Turkey. They always had. They lived in the Ottoman Empire before it was Turkey. And now it's, well, I guess at that point it was still the Ottoman Empire. But my point is, you know, we're talking centuries. Yeah. And now it's just empty. And I got to thinking about um, what is that, you know, there's an idea on the wiki and I'm not just on the wiki about the genius Loki. I think it's genius Loki, <clears throat> which is essentially like spirit of a place, right? So if... Mm. If Los Angeles has a spirit, it's probably a heroin addict. But, you know, <laughs> but like, you know, there are like if you have is there a spirit, an atmosphere or whatever of a spiritual nature to physical places like the Japanese have the idea of the kami, you know, and mm. like mountaintops. Sometimes there are gods that are just the kami of that mountaintop or that valley. Um, and I got to thinking if there was the spirit of this town and the town was abandoned how would that affect the spirit? And so it just becomes this thing that's just reaching out to people in dreams and showing this wonderfully charming, you know, village and you should come here and uh, whatever. Um, And when people get there, it's, you know, it's this abandoned, you know, it's a fairly destroyed place. (coughs) And uh, the special containment procedures are all about how the SCP Foundation is going to have to invest in um, tourism for the area uh, to convince Mm. people to go and visit this area. And that's meant to be a hook. Like people are supposed to be like, wait, that's not normally the SCP. What what do they care about tourism in this small town in Turkey? And then, um, you know, one of the researchers um, is essentially one of these people that gets hit with this dream that has like imagery of this town. And so they start trying to figure out where this town is because if they can you know get her to you know identify the town uh then maybe maybe there's something in that town that's sending out these ideas and they go back through history and there's like famous turkish poets and others who have been writing about this thing that's happened so it's been happening for like a long time but no one knows what and it just seems to be one of those culturally you know specific dreams that you know just happens like you know the Mm. fact that like you know uh, it's very common in american and other western european societies for people to dream about uh showing up to class naked right yeah and and it's a very specific social pressure that we put on children to perform uh you know in school type situations or you know showing up to work and not knowing you had to give a presentation you know yeah. There's a very specific capitalist, you know, Western society perspective. So maybe this dream is just a very specific for this area, this culture. Has, well, no, it's this thing that's reaching out and trying to get people to come there. Um, and it starts off kind of unsettling and horrifying. And then by the end of it, it's just pretty clear that this is just lonely. It just desperately mm. wants people to come oh. around because it's used to people mm. being inside it. It's a town, you know, it's meant 
it's meant its only purpose is to provide a safe place for people to live and work and have families. Uh, and so the foundation uh, MTF person who gets kind of trapped in it is kind of in this weird, almost like Paprika's weird dreamlike world of hmm. um, the town. Uh, basically, just ends up suggesting, "Whoa, wait, 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 I have an idea." And then you're supposed to like, and it, and then the article ends with, and then the conprocs were updated accordingly and so it's supposed to make you go back and look at the special container procedures and say oh wow the foundation did like a good thing okay because <laughs> it's cool. not because like it's very common the foundation does bad stuff <laughs> yeah that's interesting so it becomes a tourist destination essentially yeah yeah um and so it's actually it's a real place and um it's you can look it up online and like Wikipedia and other places will say that it is a global heritage site. You know, I forget mm. uh, UNESCO or what I forget what the organization is that makes those that official designations. Uh, but it's actually not. It's like a lie of the local tourism, um, whatever <laughs> uh, tourism for tur- the. I forget the name. I actually have it in this, the Turkish Tourism Bureau or whatever. It's like. Mm-hmm. I think maybe they at one point they maybe were up for it and they didn't get it or something, but they just like have oh, kept okay. that going. And like lots of websites will say it is. And then you read up on it and you go, oh, no, it's not actually. Huh. And so I just made that part of the SCPs like. Uh, that's cool. They're like, so that's real. But it's in our world, it's just because of some bullshit bureaucracy. And in the story, it's the SCP making that story up. So people come there. That's cool. A little crossover before we end it. Do you have any authors you want to shout out? Anything personally that you want to shout out? Yes, totally. Uh, so I, I have a Twitter, uh, at Gregory Carpin. Um, and some of my favorite authors are um, like Harry Blank. You should definitely look up Harry Blank. He's like my partner in crime. He's written like twice what I have written, but uh, he is also very interested in like character focused stuff, but um, like kind of funny as opposed to horror. Um hmm. Let's see. Placeholder, you should definitely be Placeholder's new series, his archetypicals. He just made up uh, a third, I think the third part of that series. It's really good. Mm. I don't like pataphysics. I think pataphysics is dumb. Uh, <laughs> but he makes it fun. Uh, mm. You know, and I, you know, he, he kills it with that stuff. Uh, the idea of like the author gods makes me bored out of my mind, but somehow <laughs> he pulls it off. So it's really good. Um, IHP, who's like a very i don't know if he's famous but like he's written like hundreds of articles uh and he has currently there's a series that he's writing called black autumn and it's about mm-hmm. this um site in minnesota uh where like a fear entity gets out and it's a series of tales about people kind of facing their fears but um it really subverts expectations in a lot of really interesting ways mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of who else Oh, um, everyone should read Plague PJP. I know that's it's a mouthful, but it's Plague PJP. Uh-huh. Uh, he's he's been very helpful with me with the Vicander Need the media stuff that I mentioned. He also wrote one, which is about like a jazzercise uh, videotape that is <laughs> that is cool. not, it's great. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. He just, I, I don't remember. The, I can tell you the number if you give me a second. Um, but he has this certain like tone to all his articles that is mm. like it's very often funny but it's very often also just weird like 
like mm. in the best way like the way that like lynch is off and weird oh, okay yeah uh, so that's scp 5417 is plagues and it's size up uh like exercise up um hmm. almost everything he's written has been fascinating and he's only written like seven or eight articles um and his partner in crime he's new right he is relatively new i'm not sure when he started though he might have even okay. been before me but he just doesn't done as many but um he's read almost all of these media ones and he's been like really involved in like um just like bouncing stuff off of him because like i said the first like 10 things i wrote were all like about cults and gothic horror and stuff yeah. and so talking about weird radio shows and like I have one that's about a human resources orientation video that gets really weird. Um, it's not my norm, and so he's helped me out with a lot of that stuff. So I would say Harry Blank, IHP, and Plague J PJP. Uh, anyone that's interested in authors, if you go to the wiki and you press on the left-hand side, you can actually bring up the author pages. Yeah. Um, and even if you're not a member, you can just look through alphabetically these different authors and just you know pick one at random. Like, some of them suck. Let's not kid ourselves. But, I mean, yeah, you could read DJ Cactus till you go home. And, I mean, till you fall asleep. And, yeah, he, of course, there's a reason he's so popular. He's a very good writer. But mm -hmm. there's a lot of really, really interesting stuff. Um, and like we were talking about earlier, you know, horror <clears throat> often attracts, like, you know, pretty original thinkers. So, yeah, go read some of these small guys. Links in the description. For those of you guys who are too lazy to go on the site and look at the author pages. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs>